God's people said, good morning, beloved church. This wonderful church that God has called to himself has one foundation and it is Jesus Christ himself. In that first song that we sang, it says this, elect from every nation, yet one over all the earth, her charter of salvation, one Lord, one faith, one birth, one holy name she blesses, partakes one holy food, and to one hope she presses with every grace endued. Here's the reality. In Christ's church, there's only one who has supremacy. There's only one, and his name is Jesus, and he and he alone. There's no other race. There's no other color or people that is going to be better than another. And the reality of the beauty of the bride of Christ is that we are one in him from every tribe, tongue, and nation. And how beautiful and glorious is that? So we always want to be a place that reflects the reality of the church, the beloved church, and the beauty and the variety, but the oneness in Christ Jesus. So we come here to be reminded of peace. We come here proclaiming peace. But we're not only recipients of peace, but we in the gospel are instruments of peace. And so what we do is we go to others and we make sure, even in part of our worship, and pass that peace But that needs to be passed, not just here, but into our world. Amen. Amen. May the peace of Christ be with you. Please greet with one another. If you have your Bibles, if you'll turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 2, as we continue our sermon series on what's known as the solas of our faith, uh, the things that stand alone for our great salvation, we'll be looking at 1 Timothy 2 and also Colossians 1. One this morning as we look at the reality that in Christ alone, which Craig just played, uh, is our hope for salvation and our hope for reconciliation of all things. It was in second grade, I think, that we uh, we made some pins on Mother's Day for our moms, uh, something we would bring home to our mothers, and uh, it was a great exercise, and I knew that I wanted to bring home the best of pins. Why? Because, well, I had the best mom. My mom deserved the absolute best, and we all, at that second grade class, we all used the same materials. Uh, We all pulled from the same resources, but I didn't want to just use, as some of the other kids were doing, one color. I, I wanted my pin not just to be red or not to be yellow or, or not to be blue. I thought, because my mom deserves the best, I will use all colors. And so being colorblind, I thought, that's a good idea. I'll squirt all colors together, mix them together, and I made a lovely shade of what can I say here at church? Poop brown. I mean, it was probably the ugliest color you've ever seen. But... I didn't quite know it. I mean, it was my mom. I was fiercely working. I was so excited. I, I made that pin for her and I, I brought it to her on Mother's Day. And she opened it up. And I'm telling you, it looked like she received a diamond. I mean, it's like, oh, this is beautiful. And I remember her wearing it. I'm not just on Mother's Day, but, but wearing the, the pin that I gave her. It wasn't until later in life where I looked back at some pictures. It was actually family members. Like, mom, what's on your dress? What happened? Did the bird fly by? I mean, what, what landed on your dress there? That's just awful. And she says, oh, no, those are the pins that Jeffrey made me in second grade. Well, I got to tell you, the problem wasn't the materials. The problem clearly was the artist. The artist makes all the difference in the world. Is it not true? I mean, give Michelangelo the same uh, marble and the same equipment and what he can produce and what we will produce. It'll be something amazingly different. 
You can stand me up there uh, with a, a saxophone and, and do what Craig just did, but I promise you it would be completely different. Why? Because of the saxophone? No. Because of the marble, the chisel? No. Uh, because of the paint? No. Because of the artist. The artist makes all the difference in the world. Is it not true? According to God's word, that the only artist of creation is Jesus Christ. He's the creator of all things. He created all things and, and, and he created them out of nothing. He created all things for himself. He's the awesome, most ultimate creator. But we also find in the Bible that not only is he the only creator, he is the only recreator, the only reconciler, the only one who is able to bring heaven and earth together. The only one who's able to take a holy God and sinful man and bring peace and harmony. Reconciliation can be found in no other. He's the only one who can recreate uh, and make for himself a world that is filled with his people for his glory. It's all about the artist. And this morning we're going to look at Christ alone. We've been looking at these pillars of the faith, these things that that emerged out of the Reformation. Remember, I told you uh, these truths were not discovered in the Reformation. These are gospel truths that have always been there, have always been a part of God's great plan for us. But they were rediscovered. As we know that tomorrow is a big eclipse. Uh, The Middle Ages has eclipsed the gospel. They couldn't see these truths. And through Martin Luther and others, they, they rediscovered in God's word these incredible truths of salvation that we are to live on. And we see them. And we've already seen that it's by God's grace alone that we can be made right with God. Grace alone. And we see that, that grace is kind of like the catalyst or, or the motivation for our, our salvation. Remember, we looked at the reality that in and of ourselves, we're, we're by nature children of wrath. In and of ourselves, uh, we're dead in our trespasses and sins. And it's only by God's grace alone is salvation possible. And then we looked at faith alone. And, and faith alone is kind of like the vehicle or the connection to our salvation. It starts with God's grace and the connection to Christ is faith, faith alone. But Jesus is the object or the instrument of our salvation. We're not saved uh, because of just grace, or we're not saved because of our faith. We're saved because of a man and a God named Jesus, one who would come and live for us, one who would die for us, one who would conquer death for us. Salvation is in him alone. There's only one name under heaven in which we can be saved. And so this is the object. This is kind of like the, the linchpin of all of the other pillars. These are what all the other pillars kind of point to and lean to. It's Christ alone. And next week, we'll look at the word of God alone, as that's the, the only authority for our salvation, pointing to Christ alone. And then we'll, we'll end up, uh, right after Labor Day, looking at the last one, is the purpose of our salvation. It's for the glory of God alone. God has made you for himself. He has made you to know and love him and to make his love known to the world. We are here for him and for his glory alone. Well, this morning we're going to look to Christ alone. uh, And we'll see two things. We'll see one, that Christ alone is the mediator between God and man, the the middleman, the one who stands between God and man and can bridge the two. And the second thing we'll see is that in Christ alone is the reconciler between heaven and earth. What incredible artist he must be to be both the mediator between God and man and the reconciler between heaven and earth. 
I'm going to read for us First uh, Timothy chapter 2, verses 5 and 6, and then we'll turn to Colossians 1 and read verses 13 through 20. If you don't have your Bible today, these words are listed for you in the bulletin, and they'll also be on the screen behind me. But let's be mindful. This is God's very word. He didn't give us these words just to entertain us. He gave us these living words to point us to his son to transform us. So let's hear the word of the Lord. For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all which is the testimony given at the proper time. Let's turn to Colossians. Paul continues to write in Colossians 1. I'm going to pick up in 13 and read through 20. He, Jesus, has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption through the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God the firstborn of all creation, preeminent over it all. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. For he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him, in Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. And Father God, we realize by your grace and according to your word that Christ and Christ alone is our hope for salvation, is our hope for a relationship with you, that, that Christ and Christ alone is the creator of all things. He's the sustainer of all things. And he is the reconciler of all things. So what is clear this morning is that we need to see him clearly and we need to see him rightly. So God, would you do that which only you could do? Would you be pleased to speak through a broken sinner like me? God, would you come? Would you be with your people with power through the preaching of your word? Would you give us ears to hear your voice, minds to understand your word and what this means for us and hearts to to embrace your truth and your reality, our great triune God. And would you give us feet to walk in a manner worthy of your name? God, I pray that anything that I say that is wrong or just merely my opinion, but those things will fall away and be forgotten quickly. But the things that are said that are true and contain this incredible good news of the gospel, the power of God for salvation, Would you use those things to make us more like your son, our savior, Jesus? And it's in his holy and matchless name that we pray. Amen. If you want to follow along with me, you'll find an outline in your bulletin. We just have two points this morning. And the first one is this. It's in Christ alone is the mediator between God and man. I'm sure that you have heard it said 
a famous saying that you cannot judge a man until you have walked in there. Or you know what originally it might have been? And their moccasins. You can't judge a man until you have walked in their, their moccasins or their shoes. And I got to tell you, uh, that reality rings true for all of us. Uh, being a, a white American, I, I see the world uh, through the reality of the eyes as a, a white American in my experiences. That's just who I am. Uh, I've learned so much from friends and brothers and sisters in Christ who have different walks of life. Especially my good friends, uh, many of my African-American pastor friends, uh, being with them and hanging out with them. I, I have the privilege and the joy of seeing life differently through their eyes. As a matter of fact, I was scheduled to have lunch with three of them Friday. I had to cancel saying, hey, guys, I'm going to be with our middle schoolers. I'm at a retreat. I'll be speaking there. Oh, my goodness. They gave me the hardest time for, for blowing them off and choosing middle schoolers over them. I said, it's all about ministry, fellas, so please. But as much as I've been able to learn from them, and I have, and I'm so grateful for those men and women in my life that just give me another perspective. The reality is this. I've never walked in their shoes. I've never really experienced it. I've been horrified with some of their stories. I've been horrified with some of the things they say. Say, no, no, that can't be true. No, you weren't treated like that. No, you, you didn't experience those kind of things. Was it real? Did it really happen? And, I, and I, I've learned so much. But the reality is, is I, I just can't wear their shoes. I mean, I can't. I can learn much from them but I can't. It's interesting because God's word here says that there's one God and there's one mediator who's going to stand between two parties, between God and man. And it's interesting, a mediator is going to give us the context that there's a conflict. You don't have a mediator unless there's a conflict, right? And so God's word is telling us that there's a conflict and we, we know that uh, God's word reveals that to us, that, that we are made in his image, made for him, but we've rebelled and our sin and our rebellion uh, has alienated us from God. We're in conflict with him. Uh, and so there's this one mediator between these two parties and his job is to bring peace and reconciliation. His job is between, to stand between both parties and really represent both parties' shoes, if you will. Well, that's what a mediator does, right? I mean, a good mediator, he's going to represent the views of one party to another and to make sure that everybody is understood. And the reality is, in a conflict, oftentimes it's hard to understand each other, isn't it? That's why oftentimes we're so emotionally charged. We, 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 we can't see straight. You need somebody who can see straight. Somebody who can stand between the, both sides. Well, that's what... That's what a mediator does. A mediator is supposed to help us see the reality of the other. He's supposed to allow us to say, now, now, now I see more clearly what their point is. Now I see what their gripe is. Now I see that reality. You see, a mediator helps us see the other side, the other point of view. This is so important. Because why? Christ alone is the mediator between God and man. Christ alone. Christ alone is the only one who stands between heaven and earth. And Christ alone is the only one who allows the other side to see that party's view or, or that struggle rightly. Because why? According to God's word and the reality of our, our great God, uh, that Jesus has come and he has come and he's put on flesh. He became like us in every way. And here's the reality. He, 
He did wear our shoes. He did come and put on flesh and, and bones. He, he, he did uh, have a reasonable soul. He, he became like us in every way. Why? So he could represent us. Because in verse five, again, we'll say, for there's that one God and there's that one mediator between God and man. It's interesting, it says, the man, Christ Jesus. The Greek word anthropos, the man, Christ Jesus. And that, that, that phrase is so loaded because Christ is not his name, it's a title. Messiah, anointed one. In that, we, we start sensing divinity But Paul wants us to make sure we understand the uniqueness of Jesus. Unique, unlike any other of creation. Because he, fully man, the man, Christ Jesus, and yet fully God. The Bible tells us that Jesus became, was, and forever will be fully man. I love what a writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 2.17, that he's been made like us, his brothers, in every way. His temptation and our temptation is the same. The things he struggled with, what we struggle with, he's been tempted, but without sin, there's a difference. But he knows it. Let's just hit pause here. This Jesus relates to us. And not just somebody who wants to hear and try to figure it out. Listen, this Jesus relates to us as someone who became one of us. He sympathizes with the scripture says, because he has been tempted. He has been tried. He knows our flesh. He knows our weakness. He knows our side. He knows our, our, our condition. And that's awesome because when we want a mediator between God and man, we want someone who knows us and all of our junk and all of our humanness. And that's what he knows. Even his experiences, the reality of our sin on the cross, although sinless, he would become our sin. But there's more, because this mediator is not just simply man. This mediator, this unique one in Christ Jesus is fully God. We read in Colossians 1.19, For in him, in Christ alone, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Now there's certainly a mystery there that, that we will not have the ability to fully unpack. But what it's saying is this, is that in Jesus, he's both fully man and fully God. And, and when we see Jesus, we see God. That is, that is God's represent, that is God in flesh. That's God incarnate. And seeing him is beholding the Lamb of God, beholding God himself. You know, when Jesus was preparing to, uh, to leave, uh, to be crucified and resurrected, he was getting his disciples ready. Uh, you, that gospel of John really begins in chapter 12 and the rest of the book is only gonna deal with the last week of his life and how he's getting his disciples ready. And it's interesting, he's gonna tell them so many important things. And in chapter 14, he's gonna start off by saying, okay, fellas, here's the reality. I go to prepare a place for you. And you can't come now, but you will come. And in my father's house, there are many rooms. And if it weren't so, I weren't gonna tell you. But I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. And, and Philip, in the midst of this great teaching, saying that Jesus is going to go and he's going to prepare a place for us. And he is the way, he is the truth, he is the life. Philip says, well, can you just show us the Father? I mean, we're really going to believe you if you just show us the Father. He's like, Philip, I've been with you so long. Don't you know that seeing me is seeing the Father? I mean, Jesus is the reality that we see him, we see God. So what an incredibly beautiful mediator we have. One who can stand between the two 
In Christ alone do we have a, a God who can see man properly. And in Christ alone can, can God see man properly? Can we see God properly? And probably the question is, well, how in the world did Christ become man? Our confession helps us here. The Westminster Confession of Faith uh, answers the question in question number 22. How did Christ, being the Son of God, become man? And I think I've told you over the years, I've learned my catechisms becoming ordained by song. So I'd sing, well, Christ, the Son of God, became man by taking to himself a true body and a reasonable soul. Be conceived by the power of the Holy Ghost, born in the womb of the Virgin Mary, and born of her, and yet without sin. It's still the artist, right? Thank you. <laughs> I think I do that only so I can tell people they clap when I sing. We see, Christ alone is a meteor between God and man because Christ alone is God and man. That's the story of the Bible. In Christ alone can God see us. Now, you've got, you got to see this. This is so important. In Christ alone, holy God without sin. The book of Habakkuk says that he can't even look on sin. He's so holy. But in Christ alone, we have a righteous one. In Christ alone, we have one who has completely fulfilled everything the Father has asked of us. In Christ alone. He stands for us. He represents us in Christ alone who would shed his blood over our sins and purchase us through the power of the cross. In Christ alone, we've, we've been washed. In Christ alone, we've been clothed as beautiful in his righteousness. In Christ alone, can we stand before holy God and be accepted and beautiful to our God and Father in heaven? It's amazing. In Christ, in Christ alone. Nothing of our own. Nothing because of any saints or any other man or woman who have gone before us. In Jesus Christ alone, God can see us rightly. We see in Jesus Christ alone, man sees God rightly. And who he is is a gracious, loving father. A, a, a holy God who has to deal with sin and deals with it through his own son. We see God the father rightly. Christ alone, he's that mediator. He is the mediator of redemption and he's the mediator of intercession. Now, I got to make a, a, a point here. In the Reformation period, the, the church at the time will say, okay, well, Christ is a mediator for redemption. Like, like through the cross, he helps bring salvation. But the intercession that we need, the prayers we need, it should be with the saints and maybe with Jesus's mother and maybe other people that we pray to. And the reality of Christ alone is, no, 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 you don't need to pray to anyone else. No, you need to pray to his mom. You don't need to pray to uh, uh, the saints. You don't need, because there's one who lives to intercede for us. It's Jesus, this high priest. There's one who's gained access to the Father. There's one and one alone. So Christ and Christ alone is, is our mediator for, for reconciliation and for intercession. And we don't need anybody else to pray for us. I mean, I remember growing up in the Northeast and a lot of my friends, they had certain saints in their cars because certain saints, that this, this was for protection of travel and, and this saint was a protection for this or for that. And we have some that we, we pray for this saint or we pray to this person or we pray here, or we pray here. And what the scriptures are gonna say is, no, 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 is there was one mediator. There's one who stands between God and man. It's Christ Jesus alone. And he and he alone is the one we go to. He's the only one that we could stand before God before. He and he alone. It's in Christ Jesus alone. He's the only mediator between God and man. Because why? He's both God and man. 
Scripture will say there's no other name under heaven in which you should be saved. Acts 4.12. And Hebrews reminds us, the book of Hebrews, that he and he alone is the one we confess to. He and he alone is the one we pray to. Why? Because Christ and Christ alone walked in both of our shoes. Christ alone is the mediator between God and man. Secondly, Christ alone is the reconciler between heaven and earth. It's Jesus, the creator and sustainer of heaven and earth. Jesus, who's the only one who creates and sustains. He's the only one. It's Jesus alone who can reconcile heaven and earth. And that reconciliation is only by the blood of the cross. That's the hope of the world. Church, that's the hope of the world. It's always been God's plan. He created the earth to be a, a, a trophy displaying his glory. He created the earth to be a place where heaven and earth are united. Our sin has, has disqualified us from that and drove us from his presence. But God didn't give up on his plan. His plan has always been for this place to be filled with the peace of God, the love of God, the reality of God. I don't know about you, but honest hour here is I'm typically a conflict avoider. Most people pleasers are. I usually try to navigate my way around any conflict as, as best as I can. I'll go anywhere to try to avoid it unless I'm driving a car. And then for some reason, I'll have a problem being in conflict. I could tell you a story. Even Friday night, my wife's like, please, how old are you? I mean, you're a pastor. Pray for me. But I really do try to avoid it. I like to say it's not my problem. It's not my battle. Some of the worst times I do that is even from our own family conflict. Not just my family, but my extended family. And I choose passivity oftentimes. And honestly, I got to tell you the truth is I even hide behind my calling as a pastor. I don't want to wade into cultural and political battles. And I, and I feel good by saying things as, I just want to preach the gospel. I don't want to get entangled in that. Charlottesville, mess. What's going on in the world? Oh my goodness. I, I, I just want to steer clear, avoid it, try not to step anything that's, that's going to get me in trouble. And so let me try to maybe just preach the gospel. But you know what the gospel is? The gospel is that God is reconciling the world to himself through his son, Christ Jesus. That's the gospel. And yes, it's incredible. It says that in 2 Corinthians 5, it says that God is reconciling the world to himself, not counting our trespasses against us, but he's given us his son. And he's reconciling the world to us, to himself, I should say, through his son. But it goes on, it says more than that. It says, and he's given us, Christians, he's given us a ministry of reconciliation. That we now are his ambassadors. We are the ones who represent peace. We are the ones, we're like a colony of heaven on earth. We're, we're the ones who've come here and says, you know, we, we believe in King Jesus as the King of kings and Lord of lords. It's, it's his law. It's his name. It's his fame in which we live for. And he says, now we are to be the ones who are to bring reconciliation. Reconciliation, Christian, is our calling. As much as we, we want to shy away, as much as we want to say, oh, gee, let's try to avoid that, or, or much as we want to bring our own political savvy or some ideas into this, God has us as his own for another reality. 
You see, the story of the Bible is a story of this, is how God reconciles heaven and earth through Jesus Christ. If you read the Bible and believe the Bible, it's going to happen. Jesus wins. And as crazy as our world is, and it's crazy, and as broken as it is, and it's broken, the kingdom will come. His will will be done. In verse 20, Colossians 1.20, it says this, through Jesus, he is reconciled to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven. Ephesians 1.10, another one of my favorites, says that in Christ Jesus, he unites all things in heaven and earth in Christ Jesus. You see, that's always been God's plan is to unite heaven and earth in Christ Jesus. Christ alone is the reconciler of heaven and earth. It says in this passage that we've been delivered from the dominion of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of his beloved son. The book of Revelation, Revelation 5.10, will call us that we are in this kingdom, but we're not just in this kingdom, but we are his priest in this kingdom, that we represent him. Uh, we, we offer our lives as a living sacrifice. So we, we are the priest on earth to rule the earth. And we were, we're here to represent him, to be his ambassadors, his instruments. As I said earlier, we are not just the recipients of God's grace and peace. We are the instruments of God's grace and peace. When Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he proved the point. You know, you know, he says, starts off, remember, you know, our father who art in heaven, holy is his name. But then he says, he gets to the point, he says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Where? On earth, as it is in heaven. That's the gospel, the bringing transformation on earth as it is in heaven. And we are not just to, ready for this? We're not just to utter that prayer. We're to be the answers to that prayer empowered by the Holy Spirit. We are to be the answers to that prayer. Gary Haugen, one of my heroes. Gary Haugen is the founder and CEO of a ministry called International Justice Mission, probably one of the greatest ministries uh, on the earth. And he started in many ways because he was a really well-trained um, lawyer working for the State Department that was sent to Rwanda after the genocide tragedy that happened there. And he went as a Christian to Rwanda and he saw what hate can do. He saw what bigotry does. He saw when, when one group thinks that they're supreme over another and the fruit of that and how ugly that is. And he stood there as a Christian mortified of what he could see. And he cried out, says, God, where are you? He felt in his spirit that God answered and said, where are my people? See, the only hope for reconciliation is in Christ alone. And we as his people, we have the remedy in Christ Jesus. He, he's the remedy, but in through us, we're the instruments. We know the only peace possible is in Christ Jesus. And here's what this is saying. The world's conflicts are our conflicts. In a sense that we have to lean in. We can't run and hide, and for sure we can't just take with us our own political ideology or reality. We come with the gospel and the gospel alone for Christ and Christ alone. As I close, let me say this as well. Reconciliation cannot be above Christ alone. Sometimes we take reconciliation and say, well, that, that's so important. It's, it's reconciliation at all costs. No, reconciliation where Christ meet must be preeminent in everything. You, you, we don't have reconciliation if we take Jesus and we put him on the same plane with any other peacemaker in the world. 
We can't give up the reality that it's Christ and Christ alone is the hope of our lives and the hope of the world. There's no reconciliation without Jesus. And we can't give up anything about Jesus for reconciliation. And only in him is it possible for us to be reconciled to a holy God. Only in him. Why? Because Christ alone walked in our shoes. Because Christ alone is both God and man. Christ alone is mediator and Christ alone is reconciler. So what do we do? What do we do for Charlottesville? What do we do for Orlando? What do we do for a world that desperately needs Jesus? We live our lives as sons, not slaves, who've experienced the peace of God in Christ Jesus, that know the reality that in him we have been loved, forgiven, and set free. But we live as his ambassadors. We live as instruments of peace into the brokenness where God has called you. Remember, God's plan is always to bring light into the darkness, beauty into the void, and order into the chaos. And how we do this, we bring Christ, who's the light of the world. What in your life is broken? What around you? We can get overwhelmed with the big picture, but never forget the reality that the hope of the world is in Christ alone. Amen? Let's pray. Oh, Father God, we thank you for your love for this world. That you would so love the world that you would give your only begotten son. That through him we may live and not die. Have life and life everlasting. But God, you came into this world in flesh, Jesus. Not just to give us a personal peace. But that through us, that personal peace might extend to the entire world. We thank you that your plan isn't resting alone on us, that you will accomplish your plan because you and you alone are God. But thank you for the grace of choosing to use us as your ambassadors. Father, there's a lot we have to learn. There's a lot I have to learn about culture. Would you forgive my passivity? Would you forgive me that I want to hide behind the gospel that calls me into the very conflict I'm trying to avoid? But God, would you give us wisdom May this be a church that loves the reality of the gospel. May this be a church that loves Jesus. May this be a church that represents that love to a dying and broken world. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.